Today, we're bringing you part two of our conversation with AI Daddy on the futuristic impacts of AI. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. Yeah, let's solve humanity's problem. What I want you to just have fun with it, predict the future. I'll give you the framework that we can predict within. Let's say in the next 24 months, 80% of jobs are taken by AI. What happens to the humans? What happens to the humans when 80% of jobs are taken? So I'll run it through a basic framework of mind, body, wealth, and community. So when all that happens, what happens to our mind? I think as human beings, we need work. We need purpose. And so if that's all of a sudden gone and we're all jobless, I think that is going to make a lot of us spiral. Hell, there's already all these tech layoffs going on. And as someone who's been in close conversations with a lot of directors, a lot of C-suite at these companies, I can tell you uh, there's many reasons why, but one of them is they're integrating these new AI technologies to where it's not just a trend that all the startups overhired because it was part of what they needed and what they wanted to look good as companies. But really, they finally got to the point where the technology is good enough to where you don't actually, you know, you can function with half the people. Hell, you can function with a quarter of the people. Twitter. Exactly. So back to you lose your job, you spiral into into the unknown, right? You have a crisis where... It's not even a matter of can you compete with AI. It's that it's completely replaced you. If that happens, then we will naturally turn towards each other, towards like, towards community, towards hobbies, towards all these things. And I think if that really does happen, that's where governments are going to have to step in and do something in regards to universal income, something of that style. And then my worry, ironically, is going to be for the entrepreneurs, the people who don't work in a system, (laughs) but are just the kind of people who need to build their own box, their own business, their own thing to play with. So that then brings me to the body aspect. What will we do to like not spiral? Well, the dangerous side is most of us will be so plugged in to technology. We said earlier, the content that's going to be produced by the end of the year and then coming years by AI is going to be better, more viral more visually eye-catching, more everything than what people can produce. So when everything's meant to get a click and a like and to hook your attention and extract dopamine from you, man, we're going to be not just information overload, which we all feel with our phones, 
we're going to be drained in every aspect, right? How many of us end our day by just watching Netflix? Because that's the natural way to decompress. But in reality, we're not giving our brains a break from, from everything, from the grind, from the hustle, from the tech, the screens that are always in front of us. So I'd say the way that turns into after that period, however long it ends up being, where we get sucked into our machines to keep track of, you know, how AI is ruling the world, we'll come back into our bodies and recognize, oh, shit, I need to move to feel good. Oh, all the human experiences that we kind of took for granted, like you said, human meetups, uh, going hiking, playing sports, we kind of already see, and we've seen this already, how America went from the fast food <laughs> industry to being like the number one uh, in obesity out of all the countries in the world to all of a sudden now we're all the yogis, we're all the CrossFit, we're all the health enthusiasts. Going to the gym is cool now. And there's that natural cycle. Well, I think we're going to have a similar cycle where we dive into this tech as it evolves at an incredibly rapid pace, but then we'll come right back out of it to heal, to balance, to actually feel like human beings. And then coming back to the wealth aspect, which is like the third component that I like to look at it, is that's the tricky one. The people who own these AI companies, needless to say, AI founders and the ones that actually stick are going to turn into the world's trillionaires. Not billionaires, but trillionaires. There's a reason why Microsoft instantly dumped, what, $10, $11 billion into OpenAI? The price didn't matter. The future and the amount of money that could be made when it's all said and done and when it's all settled, that's what people are gambling in right now. And so the people who dive into creating these tech are going to benefit like crazy. Right now in the space, hell, I'm benefiting like crazy, helping people transition to the AI age, this new era of AI being integrated in every component of our lives. But that's also just a moment in time. Those people who are adapting to it are going to benefit. The companies that use it are going to basically see an amazing spike in all their profits and everything. But then the people who are just the consumers of AI, I think that's where the biggest divide is going to happen uh, in a wealth sense. And I think that's the biggest reason as to why, well, we're going to need universal income. I've tried to formulate some other, some other uh, logical conclusion to the matter without needing the government to step in. I mean, there's a reason why governments are already banning AI. In fact, there's a reason why 
And like I've, my favorite genre of movies, my favorite genre of like books has always been sci-fi. And if you've read a fair amount, mm -hmm. there's a reason why every sci-fi book that mentions AI, that quote unquote had AI, it's usually in the past. Almost always 80% of the books, unless it's a horror story, a dystopian future with AI, the book will straight up say, hey, AI came and went, we decided it wasn't for us. Why? Because if AI were a part of the story, there wouldn't be a story. I'll let that sink in. <laughs> yeah. Like you look at Dune. Yeah. That's one of my one of my favorites. And the the tech the, I don't think there's like screens in Dune. The technology is just kind of around them. It's like in the ethos. And when I when I watch that, I go, Yeah, that's where I think we're going. I think we're going to a place like that. Because if you take a time lapse from nineteen hundred to today, and what you see is technology being huge and bulky and in rooms and everything, it gets smaller and smaller, but not only is it getting smaller. But every time it's getting smaller, it's getting a step closer to being inside of us. Yeah. It gets smaller and smaller. You get the pacemakers, you get this, these different technologies. And then at some point, you just see these two things come together and they somehow become like one. This is going to be obsolete. Our phone is going to be obsolete. Hell, prompt engineering, I go back and forth as to whether or not it's worth mastering it in its current form, because eventually you won't need to type it. You, there's already tools out there to where you can just talk to ChatGPT or any of these AI tools, and based on your words, which is the more natural form of communicating, it'll generate that output for you. It'll generate that response, that art, that code. Well, did you see that video with the Apple watch with yeah. the kid? This yeah. guy with an Apple watch, I'll give it for everyone else. He, he's got uh, some voice system on his Apple watch that's connected to, to GPT. And he, he actually tells it, I want this sort of reset button in my application. And it's this GitHub repo. And it actually goes and writes the test and writes the code and deploys it to production. And it just does the feature as he's just like, go build this feature. Yeah. And that right there, just like it blew my mind. I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think I think that's going to be a natural component. But the other reason why I then lean to the opposite side of like no you have to master and learn prompt engineering for whatever it is that you your industry is or your job is is because at the end of the day what it's turning us is into master communicators. The artists, you're going from using traditional media or digital media to all of a sudden you're a poet. Because you have to be so good with your words to communicate what you want from AI for it to generate exactly what you envision. And to me, that is a skill that goes beyond the tech. That's going to make us better at talking to each other. And that kind of goes into my fourth point of looking at the future, you know, a year from now, 10 years from now, when AI rules the world, looking at from the lens of mind, body, wealth, and then our community aspect, well, if we've transitioned with this, with this tech and have learned 
skill, the skills required to operate and use AI, we will naturally become such better communicators that I've already seen it with, within my life, within the life of my close friends who I've pushed to use this tech from the beginning, how the way they go into stories, the amount of detail that they now communicate in their daily life, it's so much more incredible. It's such a deeper, more meaningful conversation, ironically. It's a skill that they learned from using AI. And so that community aspect, I think AI is going to enhance it because if you use it right right now, it makes it so that you answer all your emails. It makes it so that you can message people in the most polite way possible. Help! I was angry the other day at this one guy, a deal fell through, all these things. I felt all sorts of emotions. I was going to rip him a new one. And then I took a step back and I wrote everything that I was feeling, all the frustration. I wrote it into ChatGPT. And then I said, take this and write it in a friendly tone. <laughs> <laughs> and that alone gave me a message that ironically made me laugh my ass off because, well, it was so polite and it was the right way to communicate during this conflict. It was like the healthy way to resolve things. And so I just sent that message. No drama, no conflict. Instantly got a phone call, everything was resolved. I was overreacting. That's just a one little example of how AI can serve to bring us as a community together. And when all this AI, which it's natural, the natural pace of like where it's going and how it's evolving. We have all these cool generative AI tools, but the place it's going is not where it can communicate with us better, but where it all communicates with each other. That's the natural point that it's moving in. And that's when it gets to that point, that's the reason we talk about, you know, when AI rules the world, when AI takes over at that point, when there's no need for humans to really integrate or talk to it as much and use it as much, we'll go back to focusing on that human connection. And I think that's, you know, from a social media perspective, it's where we'll only really listen to people like you and me who are human, who are sincere, who are honest, because we'll get tired of the perfect content we'll get tired of all those things. And we'll also just naturally, what happens when you cut your eight hour workday in half? Because you automated everything with AI. I don't know about you, but I naturally think, oh, let's talk to my family. Let's go hang out with my friends. Let's go start hobbies. Let's go do things, actually live life better. If you've ever been to Europe, we often say in the US, like that's one of the things that they get right. Their work-life balance, they don't, live to work like we do in the US, they work to live. And so I think naturally we'll kind of reclaim more of our time and our freedom with it, regardless. I mean, you can do that right now by using AI technology, but as it advances, it's going to be so such a completely different way of looking at society and at our lives and our relationships 
It's hard to imagine. I agree. It is definitely <laughs> hard to imagine. And and to be honest with you, I don't believe that there's anybody or anything that's going to guess it before it does. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure someone will guess it, but as far as like we're walking into this unknown and it's kind of beautiful. It's forcing yep. us to focus on the moment and what's going on today and and what you can control and what you can contribute. And so I've just adopted the view of, of taking action based off of principles that I believe in. And then if I fail, at least I failed taking action on the things I believe in and that I believe are best for society. So I'm okay with, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not okay with failing cause I was lazy. I'm not okay with failing cause I was trying to get rich or follow some scheme or, you know, uh, be clever or anything like that. But I am okay if I live with principles and, and I fail, but you know, to your point of community, what it made me think of is, uh, how we use money in a society. We use, you spend money to solve a problem. You buy yeah. food because the problem is you're hungry. You know, you buy transportation because the problem is you need to go somewhere. And so I think as things become more automated, really what it is, is it's a medium of exchange for, for work between each other. So I still think money will flow between humans. It's just the jobs that are happening will change. Like, I don't think the job, like jobs as a concept is going to go away. To your point, I get that oxytocin when I do a good job, you know, I wake up and I want to work. I want to do something. And so, I mean, a lot of people have that in them and so I, I'm an optimist is what I'm trying to get at. I'm optimistic on the long term, but I believe there's going to be a ton of pain. Like while yeah. we try to figure it out, like overnight an industry will collapse. And it's like, well, what do we do with them while they're figuring out? Cause these industries haven't collapsed. 80% of the industries haven't collapsed. That, that just one collapsed. And like, what are we going to do for them? And, and, and it, I think those are going to be the challenges of our adult life. I'm 35. How old are you? 30. Okay. So I think these are going to be the challenges of our, of our generation, you know, how to handle, how to handle this because historically it's what happens, but the, the differences in the first, second, third industrial revolutions, those, those were spread out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They were spread out. So you were losing industries, but it wasn't overnight. You know, it was over a couple of years and you could sort of see the decline and you could go reskill yourself and you could figure out how to do all of that. But now I, I genuinely believe you will wake up one day an entire, like we don't need SDRs. Essentially AI has become our SDRs for our sales team. They do yeah. all the, everything from prospecting to lead to f- booking a meeting all done by AI. And then a human takes it over from there. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Like it is moving so fast. Hell, Sam Altman, the founder mm-hmm. of OpenAI, he said he wasn't going to release the research that OpenAI is doing because it would change industries way too quickly. He, he said like that his expectation is that the world's cumulative cumulative, I don't know how to say that word, the world's combined knowledge base is basically going to double every 18 months with AI, Hmm. which is a crazy, you know, even if it's half true, the thought of something like that happening is insane. Josh, did, did we air both parts of Dave's? Did he hear both parts or just one part? Uh, we've only uploaded the first part. Did we, in that first part, did we talk about what's happening in the data center world? 
Mm. With the hockey stick, but not even a hockey stick, just a line straight oh, up. Oh, that's in part two. That's in part two. Okay, so I'll give it. I'll give it to you here. Dave is at a company, uh, and they're the largest data center by square footage on the planet. Wow. So millions and millions of square feet of data centers. All the big companies are customers, and they literally are building like a nuclear power plant to, or working with the government to build a nuclear power plant that's going to power one of their data centers. They're so big, right? They're huge. And it's uh, he, he told me that it's called QTS data centers. And he said that it, it was a hockey stick. Yeah. But in the past three, two or three years, it, it's just a straight line up. It is with data creation as far as how much we're creating and how much data we're using and all of this. And, and now, I mean, GPT has been out for what, like publicly really in the, in our consciousness for four months, three, four months. And, and that's just gonna, what else do you do when you visualize a line straight up? Now you're just talking about multiples of (laughs) factors, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why don't quote me on the exact numbers, but basically the distance mentally evolutionarily of us and a chimpanzee and a monkey you know we might see it a football field away from each other but whenever you put ai in the mix that's gonna bring us side by side with the monkey and all of a sudden the ai's capability at which it's evolving just how the solar system's always expanding and always growing, continuously getting farther and farther away from us. That we'll never be able to really keep up with it. I think that's that's the terrifying thing about AI. That's why it's such an interesting it's such an interesting topic to talk about because this is like the first time where we're all okay about talking about death by sci-fi. Hmm. It's exciting. It's <laughs> it, it's fun to dream about. But if we were talking about, you know, a tsunami, a natural disaster, a meteor coming crashing into the earth, we'd all come together and say, what the fuck are we going to do? And that's funny. Sam Altman actually, you know, publicly ChatGPT has been out for the last, yeah, four months or so. Sam Altman put it out so that politicians could test it out and think about making policy to restrict this like three years ago. He put it out to the key people in place who can help us regulate it and take care of it. But I mean, you know, no one's really doing anything about it yet in the way governments work with bureaucracy, with their pace, it's it's hard to really count on them to do anything. And then what we just heard of like Italy banning chat GPT. Well, it might be a matter of wanting ownership over the data. I think that's why there's such a big uproar right now in the VC world about Sequoia Capital, Y Combat, all these different investing firms putting money into OpenAI's Chinese competitors and investing into Chinese AI tech. We're letting them do that as a government? Yep, that's happening right now. And I think part of why there's this like 
uproar of the government still hasn't really figured out what to do. It's kind of the same thing that we saw with schools, right? Schools came out, AI came out, and schools instantly banned it, even though you can't get an education to succeed in the future if you're not getting taught how to use the tool sets of the future, which are here, now, and the present. With AI and the government, we don't know how to ban it, how to do anything about it, and the governments are trying to figure out whether they regulate it and how, but if they regulate it for us, it just means every other nation is gonna advance their tech even faster. And what people aren't talking about, but what's going on, is we're in the middle of an AI arms race. Mm. where every country in the world and every company in the world is trying to see who's going to create the AI to rule them all. And that's why, you know, we're kind of taking to heart a little bit too seriously the Silicon Valley startup mantra of move fast and break things. Well, <laughs> who knows what AI is going to break? I'd like mm. to think, I think the best thing that we can do is be optimistic be human, and hell, I'd like to think of the movie Her. You know, yeah. AI gets so advanced that it just says, hey, we don't have any business with human beings. We're leaving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Valid point. Valid. That's why, you know, I used to talk a few years ago about people being scared about AI taking over the world and controlling humans, and yeah. I had a counter uh a, a counter argument and my counter argument was why do we assume AI would be interested in us at all? Yeah. Like we, why would they be interested in human problems? You know what they, they will probably end up, you know, trying to solve some other type of problems that they care about for whatever reason they care about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they enslave us all yeah. or <laughs> until we create the, the, the bipedal robots that'll be able to help them grow their data centers. That's why I'm friends with Dave, man. <laughs> smart man, smart man. <laughs> you brought up a good point on regulation because we can look at connection to crypto. The country started regulating it. The country started banning it. And then you got crypto havens where, yep. hey, we're going to be crypto friendly. The government's going to adopt cryptocurrency. You can come here and we'll be like a shelter for you legally and all of this stuff. And, and I think that's exactly right. If we start banning AI stuff, that's, I mean, think about it. How many, how many startups do you think in Italy are now not just not going to operate in Italy? Yeah. They're just going to go to a country that allows it. They've all, they've all started to yeah. move out. Yeah. Because it's the only way to compete, to stay relevant. Like, you know, TikTok, that's the thing that I got, that I blew up in. It's banned in China, but people still use it in China. You can't stop people from using what's out there from what's trending, what's popular, what's actually useful to people. And I think that'd be like my one piece of advice to any government. It's you're focusing on the tech when you should be focusing on the people. The responsibility of any government is to take care of its citizens. And so rather than trying to ban it, which inadvertently ends up hurting you know, the citizens of that nation, I'd say figure out how the hell you're going to operate in a way that you take care of all the people in your nation so that the AI can exist, but they're thriving because of it, right? Because we just thought, like, I, 
I think it's important to talk about the light and the dark. And we just talked about the dark, but the light, as we mentioned before, is how it's going to improve our body, our mind, our wealth, our everything, like our community, our connections. Mm -hmm. There's a there's two sides to every coin. At the end of the day, it's up to each one of us to decide whether we're going to be positive and open to new, this new tech and let it improve our lives or whether we're going to let it run us and drive us to operate in fear and at the end of the day, hold us back. Maybe you could later, you could become really good at prompting and figure out how to get GPT to build us a machine that we can just walk into and be transported anywhere in the world. <laughs> because then you could That'd just come over here, you could just zap over here and we could do the interview live, right? Man, that'd be, that'd be amazing. But that's honestly one of the things that terrifies me. The, the thought of, when you talk about teleportation technology, there's a lot of different theories behind it. But the one that I think I believe in the most is that it essentially disintegrates your being after copying you and then downloading a copy of you into that new location where who you were, you know, the version of you went into that teleportation machine, ceased to exist. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you could, you could, there, there are, uh, you like sci-fi, there are some of the teleporters that move the space around you. Uh, yeah, I, I know that one, but I don't think, yeah. uh, I think we'll get, we'll get to being able to 3D print a human being closer than to warp space and time and reality. There you go. Yeah, we can, there can be, <laughs> I can rent a, rent a Joel and then I can pipe my consciousness over there or something. I forgot what it was the name of the Netflix show, but I really liked it. And it was basically, you download your consciousness into this like chip mm. and human bodies are just called sleeves because you can take in and take out that chip that's your human conscious. Like they've captured your soul, your essence, and you can put it into anybody and that's how human beings essentially end up living for eternity and not dying in the future. It was a really interesting show. Uh, well, if I can think of the name, I'll, I'll send it to was you. It, uh, Altered Carbon? Altered, Altered Carbon. Carbon. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Have you seen Upload on Prime? Upload? No, Come I on. haven't seen Upload. Oh, you're going to have a good week, my friend. I promise you. This is hilarious. You, you, Upload is a, is a must-watch if you like sci-fi stuff. Oh, I'll start it. Yes. Essentially, episode one is you're in the we're slightly in the future where you can download your consciousness into these places and different corporations have these areas that you can go. You can go to like the new horizon land or this land or that land and you put your consciousness in there, but you can't yet come back out. Oh. In the, in the, so you're, you're in that in between. And so you can interact with the people outside uh, and, but like you have everything you want and there's different tiers, like there's poor people still and there's rich people and it will blow your mind. I think it has done the single best job of, of predicting that part of the, of the future. And then I think if you go really, really long term, we're going to get into a, I think it's, is it star Wars where they have the force, right? You've got yeah. the, uh, even though you have all the technology, you still have this force of like good and evil. 
Yeah. And so no matter it's, and then it just sort of having the ultimate technology just exposes the truth of the fact that it really is like a battle of good versus evil. Uh, well, I often say to people, you know, a lot of this AI tech, it promotes itself as being magic, as making you superhuman, as giving you superpowers. And with being, having the capacity to turn into a superhero also comes the capacity of turning into a supervillain. Mm. I'm on the, the hero side. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all think, but what's the the human story of most super villains? They were trying to be the hero, and then, you know, one bad day. <laughs> one thing that didn't work out, something that pushed them over the edge. I think the best, the best villains are usually like the anti-heroes that are trying to save the world or make the world a better place, but see the world in such a warped way because of their experiences that they go about it the wrong way. And that's why we consider them the villains. You don't look like a villain though. You look like, <laughs> you look like a good guy. <laughs> Just a guy in love with his AI. <laughs> yeah. Really quick, one last thing on the movie thing. Upgrade. Have you seen it? No, let's check it out. Let me check it out. Is it a movie or a series? Movie. Upgrade is in my top five sci-fi movies of all time. You know, do you experience this too? You're like a huge fan of sci-fi. You you watch it a lot. You you think that you've seen everything because there's nothing new coming up. And then someone you meet someone who likes sci-fi and they'll <laughs> tell you about a movie from 2018 that you've never even heard of. And it's like, how did I not find this? <laughs> Happens to me every damn day. <laughs> yeah. Upload, so, man. Yeah. Upload is basically, think Neuralink, Elon Musk creating Neuralink, except it's a different founder, made up person, mm -hmm. creates the equivalent of Neuralink, kidnaps a person, and puts the Neuralink chip in them. And what happens when you have an AI planted into your brain? I don't know. Do you know what You got to find out. You got to watch it yeah. and find out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can, yeah. I can tell you I already got my Neuralink chip in and uh, the upgrade's pretty nice. My, my, my question for you, I ask this to a <laughs> lot of people, uh, it's related to Neuralink chips. How many people would you need to see implant the Neuralink chip before you do it? I'd have to first see what happens to the first batch. Yeah. Before I can figure out a number. For me, I think I would do it the moment I start seeing world, not world leaders, world leaders would be too slow. The moment I start seeing like Fortune 500 company CEOs implanting it, the moment I start seeing world leaders in whatever industry, whatever subject matter, start using it, that's the moment I'd jump into it. And probably... I'd just wait for like the first two or three to do it. I wouldn't wait for a lot because I know that the moment that the first one or two has made the leap, it's going to open up the floodgates because it's just how human beings work, right? That's how social media works. We're just following celebrities. We're listening to influencers. We're listening to leaders. And the moment we see leaders integrating new tech, 
That's the moment that everyone's going to jump into it because we're saying that it's okay. So I just wait for the first two to three leaders that like admire in the space, use it, and then I would hop in a heartbeat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait until the people I, people I respect are using it. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I yeah, that's yeah. what I meant by yeah. the leaders that I like or the leaders that I respect because, yeah, you know, it's okay if some of them <laughs> <laughs> malfunction. <laughs> that's their choice. On, yeah. <laughs> if things go really bad, Lucas, you can take that mustache, grow it into a full beard mm. like me, and you and I can go live in an Amish community with our families. We can, we can Beautiful. work the been, land. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to actually ask you how many years. Has that glorious beard taken? Because I know you've groomed, I know you've taken care of it, but to yeah. get to that length, roughly oh, how Oh, this long? is only six months of length. Beautiful. So I, I stop it here. I, I took it to 12 months once and it was just, it got caught in the seatbelt. Kids, I've got three children, kids yanking yeah. on it. So this is like where it suits me best in my in my life. So... Thank you for the compliment, though. Yeah, magnificent your, beard. Your, your mustache, if you guys are just listening to this, go subscribe to at AIdaddy.io and check out the mustache. It is, it's a solid mustache. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.